You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love Podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of a Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Tonight, you joined us for another question and answer episode. So we have some questions about narcissism as well as relationships that we'll answer here tonight, this evening. But before we do, got to send a shout out to my guy, Saran Miller at Humble Fit. Please remember that you can use the code KingDixon1 to get $10 off of anything on his Etsy site. The link is in the bio. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have been doing really well with our subscribers really recently. So please continue to subscribe, subscribe, continue to give us feedback, continue to, to share with us your stories as we continue to advance forward at the Quality of Love podcast. And it's greatly appreciated. Without further ado, let's get into our quote of the day or quote of the week, that is. And this quote goes. When looking back doesn't interest you anymore, you're doing something right. Again, that quote is, when looking back doesn't interest you anymore, you are doing something right. And that quote I found a couple years ago, I'd say now, going back a couple years, um, I was in a spot where I really struggled with reflecting um, and moving forward. Uh, I struggled with reflecting on my past and some of the things that I had experienced, in particular, the things that I had done in my previous relationships that I had known at the time was wrong. And I didn't feel like I had the tools to move forward. Um, and it, it caused a lot of turmoil within my own personal uh, self. But it also created an opportunity for me to be able to dig deeper into my life and engage with myself a little deeper um, through emotional intelligence, through neurolinguistic programming. And it it allowed me the opportunity to really, really take an introspective look at where I was at the moment and how I could get better, how I could get better using the tools that I learned with emotional intelligence and neurolinguistic programming or NLP for short. And once I kind of adapted and adjusted my mind around the concept of being able to move forward in a manner that um, would be productive and effective for me. I realized that this quote was a major part in that because I read it pretty much on a daily basis a couple of years ago. Um, So I shared that with you to say when looking back doesn't interest you anymore, you're doing something right. The idea in life is to always move forward. And it is my hope. And I pray that you move forward on a daily basis. If you can't, I highly recommend that you consider looking into and studying both emotional intelligence as well as neurolinguistic programming, because I can tell you from personal experience, they've helped me shift my perspective in a major way. Let's get into the questions we received this week about narcissistic behavior within a relationship and expose some of these narcissists. Question number one, 
Do narcissists end in re- any relationships themselves? Once again, that question is, do narcissists end any relationships themselves? Yeah, there are cases in which narcissists will end relationships. In those cases, there's, I'd say, one of two things happen. Either one, the individual that they're with, their partner at the moment, have has figured out a way to hold them accountable to the point where they no longer feel that their narcissistic traits and their narcissistic behaviors will be influential to that person. So they, they end up leaving that relationship because they don't want to be held accountable to such extent and they realize some of their old ways no longer work on you. And then the other instance in which I've seen is I consider it fortunate, but you might consider it it an unfortunate situation. But in a situation in which a narcissist has found another supply, meaning another person that they feel will continue to assist them in displaying the behaviors that they've already displayed with you and your relationship, they'll leave you um, and, and kind of gravitate to that other person and start a relationship with that other person. Now. I say that that might sound bad to you from your perspective, because I know heartbreak and leaving a relationship is very difficult. But I'll say this to my very last breath, and I I don't care who fights me on it. um, But I think anytime a narcissist leaves you or no longer wants to um, suck your energy out, that's always a win for you. Uh, So look at it like that. And uh, when you are dealing with the narcissist, understand that the best way to to end a relationship with the narcissist is to hold them accountable literally at every turn. Question number two, how do you know a narcissist is cheating on you with no proof? Again, that question is, how do you know a narcissist is cheating on you with no proof? I think the easiest way that I've found to expose a narcissist is to ask them questions. And when you're asking them questions and be very direct with them. So a question along the lines of, are you cheating on me? Or are you satisfied with the way our relationship is going? There's typically behaviors that you would see displayed out of a narcissistic individual that'll give you some indication that they may be cheating or there may be something else going on. And those behaviors include them quickly denying it. Like, no, why? What's going on? Like, are you cheating? Is, is there something going on with you? What's going on? Why are you asking me these questions? So that getting defensive really quickly um, leads to leads me to believe. And from my experience has led me to see narcissists have a guilty conscience. So that's one way to, to just question them directly about it. Another way is to, and I, <clears throat> I've, I've not recommended this in the past, but it's to hire someone, hire a private investigator to to find out what they're doing when they're not with you. That can be expensive and it can it can be costly. And I think that you'll get as long as you are very direct, you'll get the same results if you just ask them the question specifically. So those are the two things that I would offer you to consider and let me know what you do and, and how things turn out. I'd be interested in in hearing how how that progressed and what came about of that. You can always email of us, email us, of course. Question number three, would two narcissists in a relationship be considered a power couple? Once again, that question is, would two narcissists in a relationship be considered a power couple? I think, yeah. From from the outside looking in, you would definitely think that two narcissistic individuals in a relationship is a power couple. 
And the reason I say that is because two narcissists are naturally driven, right? So a lot of times you'll see narcissists are individuals that are really successful. And if you have two people in a relationship that are narcissists, chances are on the outside looking in. So externally, they appear to be really successful and really happy. But the thing about narcissists is they can put on a front very well, right? So they can put on a mask and pretend that everything is going well and everything is great uh, on public. Behind closed doors, two narcissists cannot coexist at all. You got to think what's going on with this relationship, right? There's two individuals within this relationship that always want to be, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> always want to be right, are extremely self-absorbed and always want their way. That is a deadly combination in any relationship. And that is behind closed doors, an extremely toxic relationship. So, yes. Two narcissists may appear to be a power couple in a relationship, but I can guarantee you that that behind closed door, that house is a mess. Question number four, my narcissist got back in touch with me and she said she's convinced I'm her person and she's changed. Did I do I give it one last try? Once again, that question is my narcissistic ex got back in touch with me and said she's convinced that I'm her person and she has changed. Do I give it one more try? I'd say no. Anytime you know, and this is only if you know for certain that she is a narcissistic individual. Anytime you know for certain that someone's narcissistic and has caused you a tremendous amount of pain and caused you to question your ability to to be who you are, right? To be your true self, to be your authentic self. Going back to a situation like that, to me personally, is asking for trouble and you're asking to be let down again. Now, if you don't know if this woman is a narcissist, I'm all about second chances. Like I'm, I'm all about it. But that's if only if you're certain, excuse me, that she's not a, not a narcissist and not going to hurt you any more than she's hurt you currently. Right. Because all narcissistic exes have hurt their their partner in some way, shape or form. And question number five, is it true that getting involved with the narcissist will only lead to misery or are there some upsides that aren't usually mentioned? Once again, that question is, is it true that getting involved with the narcissist will only lead to misery or are there some upsides that aren't usually mentioned? That's actually a really good question. And I think that as long as you have strict boundaries with a narcissist, there can be a lot to learn from them because most narcissists, as I mentioned before, are extremely driven individuals. So they're focused on goals. They're focused on accolades and rewards and, and kind of getting all of that esteem and everyone telling them they're great, which can be awesome. Because if you watch a narcissist in a lot of cases, though, they have particular work habits that you might be able to pick up on that can help you become more effective, like in a work environment per se. All right. So if you can, you can combine some of their good traits with your good traits, it can be, it can create a, a wonderful human being for sure. But inevitably, in most cases, if you are involved in a relationship with the narcissist, it is going to lead to misery because you can't change them no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you love them. They're very um, stuck in their ways in a lot of cases, and it's up to them to change and up to them to even want to change for that matter. So that's where I say that the misery piece will come into play, because 
if you really, really invest energy and time into a narcissistic individual, it's bound to to turn out not favorably. Let's dig in our relationship bag and check out the questions that we have from our relationship side of things. Question number one. I found myself in a repeat situation with a person in new in a new relationship after leaving a narcissistic relationship. What's going on? Once again, that question is, I found myself in a re- repeat situation with a person in a new relationship after leaving a narcissistic relationship. What's going on? That is clear signs that you, you may be suffering from patterns in your life and in your relationship. So that means seeing or, or being involved with the same type of person. So it may be the person that you're attracted to, right? The type of person you're attracted to, I should say, not a particular person, but the type of person you're attracted to. In these situations, I always invite clients to take a step back and, and really assess who they're dating and who they're who are, who they are involved with and who they've been involved with. They ha- you usually have a history of dating when you become an adult. So if you take a step back and look at the type of people you've been interested in in the past, and you look, you'll see a pattern. There was something about them that that kind of gravitated to you and made you love them or like them. And in this case, since you mentioned a narcissistic relationship, it, I'm assuming, or I think it's safe to assume that. You've been in multiple narcissistic relationships. So it's something about a narcissist that you're attracted to. And that's where I would start. I would, I would start to do some deep diving and figure out what it is that really attracts you to the type of person you're attracted to. And from there, I would try to look at maybe dating someone that's a little different first and ultimately really different from what you're used to dating now so that you can get some a more diverse perspective on dating in the world and who knows man I, I believe opposites attract in some cases so maybe you'll find someone that's completely opposite of you and, and totally not what you thought your vibe would be that ultimately will end up being your vibe question number two what causes someone to be cold and distant from someone once again that question is what causes someone to be cold and distant from someone I've seen a lot of things that can cause someone to be cold and distant. Um, usually it, it's just constantly being let down, though. That's the biggest thing that I've seen in terms of someone being distant or cold. Right. So that's it. It's, it constantly being let down can be can be multiple things. It can be you continuing to cheat on this person. It can be you continuing to lie on, to this person. Not showing up when you say you're going to show up. So not having your word match your actions. It can be something that's happened in their past, right? So they have a history of people that they love telling them or uh, telling them that they were going to do one thing or be there, be present for something. And they weren't. So the more you continue to do those things, the more a person will become cold and distant towards you and be careful because if it's a woman, I'll tell you for sure. I've heard women say things like, oh, "I never leave this person," or "I'll never, I'll never ever leave this man. He's he's the love of my life," so on and so forth. And then they got into a situation in which they were hurt multiple times over and over again. And after being hurt so many times, they became cold and distant. Question number three: 
How can you become mentally stronger in three months? Once again, that question is, how can you become mentally stronger in three months? That is a great question. I would start by studying emotional intelligence. Because three months is a um, it's a decent period of time. You can certainly start to shift your perspective in a three month time period as long as you're consistent. And I would start with emotional intelligence because I feel like personally, emotional intelligence is a very personal thing. Right. Once you master it um, to an extent, you can never fully master it. Once you master it to an extent, I believe emotional intelligence makes you mentally physically, spiritually stronger, um, a more empathetic person, and just more conscious of what's going on in the world and around you. And if you don't know what emotion, what emotional intelligence is, it's it's a way to to be mindful of not only your own emotions, but other people's emotions, and also being able to manage your relationships around the world we live in. It's four, there are four elements to it. Number one is self-knowledge. So knowing and understanding your emotions, what situations you get in that can trigger your emotions in a negative way or trigger them in a positive way. Managing those emotions is a second component to emotional intelligence. So figuring out what situations you get in that make you upset or frustrated and then figuring out how to manage those situations or manage your emotions, because ultimately it's inevitable We'll all get in situations in which we're frustrated in life. That's part of life. You know, it's part of growth. It's part of evolution. So learning to manage your emotions in particular and in, in difficult and particularly in difficult situations is a huge, huge asset. It's a skill. The third element of emotional intelligence is social awareness, which means understanding and having an awareness that other people experience strong emotions as well. We're not the only one in the world that experience strong emotions like anger, frustration, jealousy, any of those emotions that can really kind of shift our moods. We aren't the only people that experience that in the world. So learning to be empathetic towards other people and their experiences as well will be having a, a good social awareness. And then lastly, number four, is relationship management. And when we talk about relationship management, it is all of those things, right? So knowing you're having the self-knowledge, having the relationship or the emotional management, having the social awareness all leads to having quality relationships. And you guys know it. You know how we talk here. Our mantra, the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life determines the quality of your life, right? So having a level of an emotional intelligence can really help with that. The second area that I'll go into is neuro-linguistic programming and neuro-linguistic programming for short is a way to kind of shift your brain. If you've been through traumas in particular, or especially, excuse me, if you've been through trauma, neuro-linguistic programming is highly recommended from me because it'll help you rewire your brain and teach you that some of those traumatic experience that you had when you were younger They don't have to continue to live on as you're older now. Question number four. Most guys on on autistic spectrum find it difficult. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot a whole letter. Do most or word do most guys on the autistic spectrum find it very difficult to get a girlfriend? 
once again, that question is, do most guys on the autistic spectrum find it very difficult to get a girlfriend? I would say yes. There, There's truth to that statement. And the only reason I would say yes is because obviously, if you know anything about the autist, someone being on the autistic spectrum, they're dealing with multiple things at once. Um, and the chemicals in their body are not that of a quote unquote normal functioning individual. So that in itself is very difficult to deal with. You throw on the emotions of a relationship and the the heaviness that goes with the relationship, the shifting with dynamics and understanding that people have their ups and downs in life. That can be very difficult for someone on the autistic spectrum to grasp and be able to hold on to for a long period of time. With that being said, I know a lot and I work with I've worked with individuals on the autistic spectrum for now over 15 years. And I know a lot of individuals who are on the autistic spectrum who have healthy and lasting relationships. So if you are on the autistic spectrum, which you didn't um, make clear, which I don't blame you, please don't feel like you have to. Um, but if you are on the autistic spectrum, please know that there's certainly people out there that 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 will love you and that that will engage with you in a relationship over a long period of time and a healthy one too, a genuinely healthy relationship. So don't give up. Make sure that you're you're good within yourself. You feel comfortable with expressing yourself because one of the things that I feel like hinders individuals on the autism spectrum too is that they don't e- express that to their partner or they don't feel comfortable expect- expressing that to their partner and that can lead to a lot of frustration on both ends. And lastly, question number five. What does it mean when a guy compares you to his ex-girlfriend? Once again, what does it mean when a guy compares you to his ex-girlfriend? That's a clear sign that he may not be over his his ex. Um, fortunately, I know that can suck to hear, uh, but you may want to really sit him down, maybe go out to dinner or something like that and sit him down and ask him if he's truly over his ex. Uh, because the fact that he he's looking back, so to speak, and not looking at what's right in front of him is a red flag. So that's what that's the area that I would go to and ask him seriously, just what's going on? Do you are you still carrying baggage from that previous relationship? And if he is, then unfortunately, uh, I would be friend for now until he's able to to let that go, because he'll continue to carry that on into your relationship, ultimately causing you to feel some resentment, because who wants to keep being compared to someone's ex when you're right there present in their face. We received one dead that ish request from Deborah to Peter. And it reads, hope you're happy with your devil woman. I'm so happy you left before I purchased this $250,000 house. Good luck with your credit repair loser. All right. So Peter, you heard that live direct from deborah she's hoped you happy she hopes you are happy with your credit repair you loser and you are my friend deaded all right everyone thank you again for listening this evening remember you can always get those questions in to us at tqlp20 at gmail.com once again that's tqlp20 at gmail.com or feel free to hit us up on our facebook page the quality of love podcast 
Remember those five elements to a lasting relationship, everyone. Trust. Communication with dialogue. Knowing your partner's love and apology languages so you know how to love on them and know how to say sorry. Number four is the ability to shift with the dynamics. Shift with the ever-changing dynamics of life. And number five, of course, is unconditional acceptance. Accepting your partner for exactly who, who they are right now in the moment, but also knowing and understanding that they're working to be the best person that they could possibly be. That's it. Our five elements. You got the question answered, the five elements. I, I, f- I feel like y'all good tonight, man. That's good. <laughs> Just kidding, man. I appreciate all the love. I'm happy I'm in a good space with the Quality of Love podcast. Got a lot of good things coming, planned out down the line, so stay tuned. And remember, the quality of love and relationships you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love. <laughs>